Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, hey, welcome back. So let's look at a little comparative religion. Something that I don't do very often. And uh, I don't do that very often because... Because, let's be honest, I mean, when two people or, or when a person takes two religions, two faiths, two denominations, whatever you want to do, uh, you pretty much know from the get-go that uh, they're going to uh, to inflate one and then trash the other one. And the uh, and the issue between that is that you know the the one that's really good um, is normally the one that they belong to, right? So comparative religion I really like to try to approach things from Christer Stendhal's rules of comparing faiths um, he has several I mean there's a little list there are not a ton of them but but as the story goes uh, he was, uh, I believe, the Bishop of Stockholm in Sweden, Christer Stendhal, and he, uh, they ran into a situation where the Mormons came, and there were a lot of Mormons, uh, you know, sharing their faith and so what and so forth, and, uh, in Stockholm. And there were a significant number of people that were really, really, really hacked off about it. And they were fixing to run the Mormons out of Stockholm. Uh, now, Stendhal stood up and said, Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Um, and he, he said, um, This isn't... You know, this isn't a good thing. This isn't a, a biblical attitude. This isn't something Jesus would necessarily do, right? But w one of his rules was don't compare your best with their worst, okay? So if you're comparing faith, don't compare your best with their worth, with their worst, excuse me. So, right now, and I've been putting this particular podcast off a lot, I mean, for many weeks now, but I really feel like uh, this has to be said. So, let's look at Islam for a second, alright? Let's look at Islam for a moment. The... Uh, the, f the first thing I, I do want to make clear is that I have 
people I know who are Islamic, and they are very wonderful people, okay? Um, yes, there are a ton of Islamic people that are, you know, really hostile. Um, but they're not all, all necessarily in that frame of mind. So what I'm going to do is put forth some observations, all right? Some observations. Now, this is going to sound like, oh, well, you know, he loves, you know, he loves Muslims. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do, because that's what Jesus would do. Now, here's the thing. Um, I'm going to try to make some observations. First thing is, it's very important that people understand that Judaism and Islam were not always at each other's throats. It was not. It just wasn't that way, always. Now, I mean, you know, what do I mean by that? Well, quite frankly, in the Middle Ages, in the Middle Ages, when the Catholic Church was very strong and pretty freaking crazy, um in many respects um, and at the time if you said Christian to anybody that meant you were Catholic I mean you know we're talking about before the Protestant Reformation so so basically if you were Christian you were pretty much considered Catholic now here's the thing in Spain in Spain and by the way, it was Muslim-controlled Spain. Judaism had a heyday, a really, really progressive or growth time for their faith. Maimonides, if I remember correctly, was in Cordoba. Maimonides is the Greek name for a, uh, a Jewish theologian they, whom Jews, even to this day, refer to as Rambam. And Maimonides wrote a lot of stuff, and he was a doctor. Interestingly enough, um, Maimonides had absolutely no use for Christians. <laughs> he had no use for Christians at all. In fact, if I remember the quote correctly, he was quoted in saying that if under pain of death you must convert to another faith, convert to Islam, because at least Islam believes in one God. Okay? So, now, why is it? Why, why, why did he, uh, why did uh, Maimonides have that? kind of frame of mind. Well, I'll be very honest with you. Was, the Catholic Church had a pretty solid uh, history of persecuting Jews. Um, yeah. I mean, a pretty solid one. Now, so that's one observation. Now, here's another observation. It's interesting to me that also, um, whether you're talking to Muslims or you're talking to Catholics or you're talking to Protestants, Anytime you talk about Christians gone bananas, um, off the chain psycho, uh, the 
first thing that comes up is the Crusades. The Crusades. The Crusades. People talk about the Crusades. You know, oh, oh, oh Christianity's a bunch of bunch of garbage. Well, why is that? Oh, it's because of the Crusades. Oh, you mean you mean like I mean the thing that happened like a millennia ago? Is that what you're talking about? People are just fixated on that, on that particular uh, situation in the Middle Ages. Once again, um. It just comes up. People love to give Christians black eyes over the Crusades. Oh, the Crusades. Yes, they did a bunch of absolutely stupid, horrific, unbiblical stuff. Absolutely. Now, here's the interesting thing, okay? This was the observation I was going to make. In the First Crusade, and we're just going to go ahead and run with it for a second. In the First Crusade, when... The Europeans showed up to free Jerusalem because that's what it was for. Free Jerusalem from the infidel. And they called us infidels. We called them infidels. It's fascinating to note that the Jews and the Muslims fought together inside Jerusalem to repel the Christian invaders fought together, fought together to repel the invaders. Now, um, now by the way, I was mentioning Muslim Spain. Uh, it, it let me go back to that for just half a second because it's also it is interesting and important to note that in Muslim Spain, yes. Um, Jews were still second-class citizens because any time you're in a Muslim country and you are not Muslim, you are a second-class citizen. You pay a tax. It's mentioned in the Quran. There is a tax. It's let the let the Jews and the Christians pay the tax. So you pay a tax for not being a Muslim. And yeah, and as long as you keep your faith inside your house or your meeting place, um, then, then they're cool. Now you start proselytizing, you start evangelizing, yeah, they're gonna get all over you. That's gonna that's gonna go that's gonna go really crazy. And and of course right now there's some believers out there that well that's what you need to do. That's what you need to do. You need to go. Okay, all right. Now listen, I'm I'm not fighting evangelism, okay? Yes, we need to evangelize, it's true. Um, but again Let's stick with what we're looking at right here, and that was this: um, the uh, the is the uh, the the Moors, which they're, they're called Moors because they were Muslim in Spain, had very little use for Christians, uh, mainly because they were fighting Christians. They didn't own all of Spain. Half Spain was uh, was christian which would be catholic and then the other part of it was was muslim now interesting little tidbit there what, what what's what's interesting to note is that um when the catholics finally united and pushed the moors from Spain, in other words, expel the Muslims from Spain, guess who else they threw out? <laughs> they threw out the Jews. They threw the Jews out too. Again, you know, the 
church, Catholic or not, has had a pretty interesting uh, history of making Jewish lives pretty miserable. Now, um, back to back to the thought of uh, of Islam itself. And again, it was not always at odds with Judaism. Now, um, there are countries uh, that are very antagonistic to any other faith. Period. End of story. However, in modern times, the times we live in now, it's interesting to know that one country that is extremely Muslim, in fact, it has the largest Muslim population on the planet, is Indonesia. They are Sunni. They are the same kind of Muslim that uh, Arabic, Arabia is. Arabia, of course, being the birthplace of Islam, as well as Mecca. It has Mecca. So, yeah. Um, but oddly enough, I don't think it's their policy to stomp other faiths into the ground. Now, there is persecution there. There is persecution there of every other religion. Believe me. I, I, I get it. I've seen it. I've got voices of the martyrs. Yes, it happens. I don't believe it's their national policy, however. I think it happens. And yeah, I think local areas probably they let it happen. But again... I don't think they've gone on a uh, kick to stomp all the faiths into the ground, they, but, but every faith that's there pays the tax, if you're not Muslim. Now, uh, you don't hear a lot about crazy jazz necessarily going down in Indonesia. But once again, largest Muslim population in the on the planet, they're huge. I mean, it's huge. It's massive. Now, um, here's the issue. Uh, up to now, it sounds like well, you know, this guy sounds a little, little, little crazy. Sounds like, uh, sounds like he's, sounds like he's leaning real hard for Islam. I am leaning really hard for balance in your thought process when you're looking at stuff because um, even in Muslim countries, Muslims fight other Muslims. That happens with Christians too, right? Um, but also you have to look at the flavor of Islam that you're looking at when crazy stuff goes down. You have to look at that. You have to look at where they're coming from, especially when when you're talking radical elements. Now, um, for example, um, the there are different groups, like for example, I mentioned the Sunni and, and the Indonesian Sunnis, 
that seem to be able to at least in some way get along with other faces as long as the other face pay the tax. Now you're still a second second class citizen. I get it. Okay, I, I get that totally. But also, there is something called Sufi Islam. Sufi Islam is more introspective. Introspective in that, in Sufi Islam, they believe jihad is something you do internally. You fight, you war against the bad inclinations we have within ourselves to make bad decisions and do bad things and do evil. So we fight, or they fight against evil inside. Now, just to let you know, that's considered a really mystical kind of sect, and it's not huge. It's not, not, very, it's not widespread. Now, now, all of these things being said, I have to go back to brass tacks, and that works this way. Islam, if you ask any Muslim, no matter how peaceful or wild or not the chain they are, they are definitely going to, if you ask them, should the entire world be Muslim, the answer would be yes. It's not necessarily a situation where um, the, the toleration has to do with as long as the world is in Muslim control, everything would be cool. That's how that, that's how that works. And every Muslim, every Muslim at some juncture, if they believe in the Quran, has to admit that they believe the entire planet ought to be ought to be Muslim. Islam is a very uh, forceful kind of faith from this perspective. It, Allah is a supreme God to them and a merciful they say but he is not a God of love that is not something necessarily attributed initially the word Muslim means one who submits um, and Islam combines their political and their religious uh, controls together. They're all the same situation. That's why you can have uh, Muslims fighting other Muslims. Because it's not just in, in, in Muslim areas, it's not just a matter of this person's in control. It's a matter of that I want my interpretation of Islam to control this whole area because it's their faith and their political things get very connected. Now, every time that happened in history with the Christian faith, 
that did turn out so hot. And I think there's enough uh, there's enough proof at this juncture that it doesn't necessarily work real great with Islam either. That when you get when you get the uh, the political and religious system all in the same bucket, that usually explodes in your face, or it turns out to be pretty dang horrible for the people. Now, so you have to look at you you have to take the pluses and the minuses. The interesting thing is that if you look at large scale terrorism and large scale things of that nature, there's been a lot of things done in the name of religion. A lot of really horrible jazz. But for Christianity, the majority of that ended with the Middle Ages. Not a lot of countries that uh, I'm aware of, with possibly the exception of Northern Ireland, have had religious wars, Christian religious wars. And to be very honest with you, even in Northern Ireland, where you had Protestants who were Anglican fighting Catholics who were na National Irish, even in that situation, it was a lot more about patriotism because the Anglicans were seen as people who were loving on the, on the, on the English whereas the Catholics who were native Ireland who were, who were uh, national Irish were proud of being independent from that so that ended up being a whole different situation again when you get political with the religious thing together it blows up in people's faces in the past 50 years We've seen quite a few things from Islam, unfortunately, that have been very negative. I think that as believers, as Christians, we still we are obligated number one pray for both groups because the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob he is going to rule supreme yes I do believe in the in the embodiment of Jesus when Jesus returns but you know something Jesus was a Jew salvation comes from the Jews um, again, uh, in the past X period of time, 
there's been a lot of animosity between uh, at least from Islam to Jewish to the to the Jews specifically in just the very need of their nation to be able to have and exist have land and exist make no mistake the God of Abraham is behind the Jews he is and he is returning in the in the form of his son Yeshua HaMashiach Menaseret and uh, I think that at this point we should be looking at ourselves and maybe uh, taking a a, a taking a note from the other face as Christians and, and that being this and this was another rule of, of Christopher Stendhal Christopher Stendhal said leave room for and for lack of a better phrase for religious jealousy or religious envy in some ways and it works this way Muslims at least really observant ones are said to pray eight times a day and observant Jews pay, pray three times a day how many times are we even praying how many times do believers are praying and what are they praying for are they praying for anyone else are we out, are we reaching out to try to help people are we trying to help those in need Um, this is a, a last little tidbit that I thought was interesting when this goes back with the Crusades I love the Middle Ages by the way but here's the thing I just I found out this in the Middle Ages we talk about the Crusades and we talk about the Muslim general Saladin. Saladin was a scholar, actually, to begin with. Now, you want to know what made him get crazy and come and, and decide to wage war on the Christians and take Jerusalem. one event there were multiple factors involved but one event was the hospitalers the hospitalers now everybody talks about the templars the knight templars okay everybody pretty much knows about them well the hospitalers were an older group like the templars and the hospitalers were supposed to really protect pilgrims and then take care of them hospital okay nurse and help people heal but what happened was um, the grand master of the hospitalers which was and they were military order was talked into attacking Egypt and uh, by the way the reason they hadn't attacked Egypt was because they had a treaty with Egypt 
the treaty was, please don't come over here and mess with our people, we won't mess with you. That was the treaty. Only problem is, somebody whipped this Grand Master into getting all his guys together and the Hospitallers went over with some other groups and killed several cities and by mean wiped them out and they were men, women, and children, everything that moved in the name of God. When Saladin heard that, when he got that, he said, okay, well, that was it. And that was, and at that point is when he said, Jihad, this is, this is, okay, this is holy war. He, they broke a treaty, killed a bunch of men, women, and children, okay? And I'm not laughing at that. It just, the mere thought of them doing that just seems crazy ridiculous to me. But anyway, the, uh, and then that's what made Saladin rally all these troops in Egypt and in the Mediterranean area and then boof and go to Jerusalem and basically just wipe uh, you know wipe out a whole bunch of crusaders and by the way in the Middle East the term crusader is not one you throw around really really quick because it makes Muslims very hostile in the Middle East specifically so anyway what does all this mean it means that um, We need to look at our faith more seriously. We need to look at what we're doing with our faith more seriously, especially if you're a believer. If someone came and tried to kill you or hurt you or anyone you know because you are a believer in the Lord Jesus, Ask yourself, what would you do? What would you do? So, I think I say, and I mean this in the best kind of way. The difference that Christianity or in believing in Jesus has is this: it's supposed to start with love and that is not a mushy gushy love but a love in that we do what God says because he because that would make him happy how do you know to do what to do you read his word you pray and you reach out to other people you do outreach because you're not going to convert someone from Islam by screaming and yelling at them and throwing jazz and answering all of their any kind of not all of their but I'm saying any kind of hate filled argument you're not going to do it 
and believe it or not, you're not going to get a Jewish person to look at our Messiah, to look at the Messiah, any different, unless they see you living what you're doing. We say we had problems with the Pharisees because, you know, well, the Pharisees are a bunch of hypocrites. They never did what, you know. Jesus said, look, do what they say, but don't do what they do. Do you want Jesus to say that about you? Hey, do what he says, because he seems to know what he's done, but he doesn't practice it. So let's focus on that. Let's do that. And try not to broad brush, because it's easy. It's easy, but um, I'm, I'm definitely going to say that a good Muslim, as far as I can tell, would tell you they definitely believe that the whole earth, one way or another, needs to be Muslim. Now, a Christian would say very much the same way. I think the difference is how you get there. That's going to be the difference. Because they will know you're Christians by your love. With that, I'm going to leave you and I want to encourage you to keep on keeping on. to this edition of Speak It On. And as always, don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth. And may God bless all of your efforts.